Welcome to Welcome to the Uncharted Territories. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And we're here to discuss Season 3, Episode 16 of Farscape. Revenging Angel. Okay, so before I knew basically anything about Farscape, I knew that there was a cartoon episode of Farscape. Yes. Okay, so I didn't want to bias you against this episode before we started. Mm, mm, mm. But um, I think I am the minority in in general, but the 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 majority in this room in that I don't care for this episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I was pretty excited for this. I'd seen some of the clips, you know, out of context on YouTube, and I was like, oh. And then you told me about Farscape, and I had more context, and we started doing the podcast, and I had even more. And I was like, you know what? It's going to be exciting. And now that I know the characters and I can see, you know, these bits in their proper context, yeah, it's going to be fun. And dear God, was I wrong. Okay, so I think the more context for Farscape that you have, the worse this episode is. We'll talk about it as we go into it, but there's so much in this episode that's nonsensical if you know Farscape. I mean, the structure of John's comatose animated dreams are basically each character telling him the way that they problem solve and him trying to use that to deal with Dargo. And that's just a nonsensical plot given where we are with these characters at this point in time. Seriously, like, this is like season one Dargo-John interactions. It's really weird to see at this point in the show. Like, they are so far beyond this, and it's a non-issue. If you believe Dargo, which normally I wouldn't, but in this situation, yeah, kind of, like, he accidentally gives John a brain injury. Oh, I, I think it's pretty clearly an accident. Yeah, so, like, the whole point is John trying to figure out how he should deal with Dargo, someone he's generally on pretty good terms with. Even in the episode that was all based around them fighting, like, they were, like, brother fighting, not, like, mortal enemy fighting. And honestly, even here, this this is... The way that John gets injured is, like, brother fighting, but then he falls wrong and ends up seriously injured. Like, it's... It, this could have been a much heavier episode, <laughs> given that. But, I mean, also, like, the the title and the the start of this episode is Scorpius telling John that he must get revenge on Dargo. That is nonsense if you know anything about the show. Yeah, and also, like, Scor- uh, should we save it for when it happens? Because I have an issue with Scorpion's whole speech about revenge. It's really bizarre, and I don't get what Brain Scorpius is trying to do here. Like, I guess he's trying to keep John from dying, but, like, revenge is humanity's oldest emotion? What is that? I mean, yeah, like, his... Yeah, we'll talk about it when we get there, but essentially he's like, you need something to fight for, and the thing that humans fight for is revenge. I mean, honestly, okay, like, to rewrite this episode real quick... Mm-hmm. The question of what does John have to stay alive for, and the struggle between, like, is he staying alive to go after Scorpius, or is he staying alive because he's in love with Aaron, and how can he convince himself to stay alive for Aaron when Aaron is off with his double, he thinks his double died last week, oops, um, <laughs> like, that could be an interesting dynamic, but no, no, that's not what's going on. 
Also, okay, so a few years ago, TV Guide did, like, the 100 best television episodes of all time. Mm-hmm. And this one was, I, I want to say it was, like, 86. Really? There's, like, 50 Farscape episodes better than this episode. Yeah, like, God, this wouldn't even make my top 10. Yeah. But I, I, I mean, I know there are 50 episodes, but this, this would probably make my bottom 10. Let me phrase it that way. So, I have this theory about, like, genre fiction. Um, so, you know, like, the Kurt Vonnegut that everybody reads is... Slaughterhouse, uh... Slaughterhouse-Five, and if you read any Heinlein, you read Stranger in a Strange Land. Yeah. Um, so I think that the thing when it's genre fiction that becomes popular or famous is the thing that's least representative because it's the least like, tied to continuity and mythology and all of that. Mm. Like, this is the Phoebe from Friends episode of Farscape. It lifts right out. (sighs) And that's why it becomes popular, because you could show this to someone who has never watched Farscape, and it would make more sense to them, because it's like each character comes in and introduces, like, who they are and what their life philosophy is. And Yeah, I mean... This is why I don't think it's a top-tier episode of Buffy, but whenever I'm gauging whether or not someone will like Buffy, I always show them gingerbread. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's another one that lifts right out. Yeah. And, you know, an actual top-tier episode of Buffy, Once More with Feeling, is a bad first episode to show someone because it's dependent on you knowing a bunch of stuff because it's the episode where everyone's secrets come out. I mean, honestly, most of the top-tier episodes of Buffy I would not recommend. I mean, maybe Hush. Hush maybe I was going to say Hush. Hush. Hush is the best episode of Buffy. I... Oh, I don't know if I'd say it's the best episode, but it's... Really? Okay, this might be too much of a diversion, but I really need to know. What do you think is the best episode of Buffy if not Hush? Uh... I mean, honestly, I know Once More With Feeling is the... You know. I mean, I have so much affection for it because I love musical episodes and that's a musical episode done so well. It's so good. But, but if we're talking about just pure quality, I might say The Body over Hush. Oh my god, I didn't think about that. But yes, The Body. I I can't even. But also not a good starter episode for someone, even though it is... Well, yeah, oh, yeah, right, no, I mean, the, the, the Body is very not like other Buffy episodes. I mean, it's... There, there's no there's no monster until, like, the very end, and that's, like, the return to normalcy. Like, it's just dealing with... Yeah, it's what pulls them back into the supernatural world after dealing with... God, we rewatched it recent-ishly, and I forget how many... Because I, I have a... I can't watch it that often. It's such a good episode. Mm. And a lot of Buffy has not aged great, especially now. A lot of Buffy has not aged great, but the body hits as hard as it did the first time I saw it. Yeah. Oh, can't... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oof. Please tell me the body was on that list. You know what? I, this is important enough. I think we should... Hold on. Let me look it up. Okay. I'm assuming a lot of this is going to get cut. I would like it if it stayed. But... Uh, I'm going to keep most of this. I'm going to cut, obviously, this banter right here while I Google. <laughs> Their number one episode of all time is Seinfeld's The Contest. Boo, Boo. this list. Bad opinions. Not to be Seinfeld haters, but come on. Well, a little bit to be Seinfeld haters. Yeah, seriously. Friends wasn't as good as I remembered it being, but God, Seinfeld. 
So just just a couple things about this particular list. Okay, uh, 86 was actually Scrubs' is My Musical. Hmm. Revenging Angel was 82. Real. Okay. Uh, let's see. Other, other notable ones. Um, the episode of Big Bang Theory that Leonard Nimoy is on, the bath item gift hypothesis, is uh, number 60. Oof, oof. How I Met Your Mother's Slap Bet is 56. Yeah, solid. God, I guess that is that is kind of the iconic episode of How I Met Your Mother, isn't it? Okay, so Slap Bet, I, I really do like that episode. It has a transphobic joke in it that, like... Yeah, it makes it impossible to sell the show on that episode. But it is the episode that begins the running thing with both the Slap Bet and the running thing with Robin Sparkles. Two things about that show that I do love. Two very iconic parts of that show. Oh, Frasier's The Ski Lodge is 31. Joe Keenan written, just saying. Watch <laughs> uh, his episodes. It's such a good experience. So, um... And just his episodes. The Body is not on this list. What? Is but Hush on the list? Hush is not on this list. What? But according to this TV Guide list from 2009, by the way, the number 14 best television episode of all time is Buffy's Once More with Feeling. Okay. I guess, I guess that is probably one of my top three, even though that that's unfair if you're not... <sighs> 21 is uh, Friends, the one with the embryos. That's a great one. That is a great one. I was back when they were still ripping off living, uh, living Singles endings. Yes, it was. God, how much that show ripped off Living Single is... It's so weird to think about. The 30 Rock episode Black Tie is number 28. That's like... Really? There's... There are 28 better episodes of 30 Rock (laughs) than that one. Anyway, the point is... um, Lists are stupid. Lists are stupid. We really don't want to talk about this episode. The number three episode of all time is Mary Tyler Moore's Chuckles Bites the Dust. That's fair. I did not think it was as funny as most people did. I'm sorry, you just can't beat the first couple seasons for me. Even season three is kind of eh. Oh, see, I I, I know what you're saying, but I can't... I I, I need uh, Georgette and I need Sue Ann Nivens, so it's the later seasons for me. God, you know, Sue Ann Nivens has never really worked for me. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. I love her character. Oh, she's so one note. I mean, it's fine, but like, I don't, every joke of hers was, I'm going to say something sweet and then something sour. And Betty White's funny. I like that. She would have been funny as like a one-off character, but give her some, give her another joke. Betty White is very funny, was very funny. See, for me, the sweet spot is when Betty White is there and Valerie Harper hasn't left yet. Mm. That's the sweet spot of Mary Tyler Moore. We were talking about. I'm sorry. This isn't. This isn't. Uh, this isn't. Welcome to Minneapolis. All right. So Farscape. So John and Dargo are flying in the ship that Dargo found, and then we haven't seen it for episodes and episodes. Yeah, I forgot this was a thing. This feels like a season one thing. I didn't realize we were so late in the show before Dargo gets his ship. But yeah. Yeah, Dargo is messing around with the ancient. What what's his Luxon? His ancient Luxon ship that they found a while ago because for some reason old things are more powerful than young things, even though you think it wouldn't work that way. 
Well, I guess if your species is old enough. And Luxons have just been, like, so into their warrior thing for the past thousand years or whatever that they haven't built any good ships. Yes. This is the reason why you're not one of the more notable warrior races. People are like, they don't even have one of those scary invincible armies. The Battletoads guys are scarier than Luxons. I do want to say they're doing kind of a clever thing here where the ship is kind of hovering and moving back and forth. And the the propellers, propellers, the, the propulsion rockets on the back of the ship are coming in and out of, of focus on the camera. And they have, uh, it's, you know, red with concentric circles. So it uh, looks like the, yeah, it looks like the little Looney Tunes opening. Anyway. Wah, wah. The ship is not working and Dargo is convinced that John did something to fuck up the ship. And John's like, I didn't fuck up the ship. You don't even know what you're doing. You don't even know what those buttons are doing. And Dargo gets so pissed, he grabs his Qualtha blade and is just yelling at John. And John's like, oh, are you entering your hyper rage again? God, when was the last time we heard about hyper rage? Well, Dargo's like, no, it's just my normal rage. I am upset because I don't have a wife. I don't have a son. I don't own any property. And he kind of pushes John, and John falls backwards into a pile of boxes, which then fall on top of him. And like I said, this is just a total fluke that he gets hit like that. Why on earth did Dargo assume that John was responsible for this? John is the least likely person to be responsible for this that is currently on the ship. And I am including Pilot. Yeah! Like, why on earth would John mess with your ship, Dargo? What's the logic there? I would assume Jewel, honestly, which it turns out to be Jewel later in the episode. But even without that being the case, I would assume Jewel messed with yeah, messed it yes, up. Yes, of course. Of course it was Jewel. Like, even if she hadn't gone into it, I would have assumed she, I don't know, screamed near it or something. That's one of the problems with this episode. It doesn't make sense for Dargo to assume that it was John, and then it doesn't make a sense for John to be wanting revenge on Dargo for... Something that was clearly an accident? Like... Ugh. Anyway... Yeah, this sh- episode is dumb. Anyway, the ship gets really angry and uh, it activates its self-destruct. As one does when one is angry. Yes. So, yeah. John is now in a coma and Dargo's ship is about to self-destruct, and everyone's mildly grumpy with Dargo about it. Ooh, you know what's a, m- a better version of this? Um, the community episode? Yes, but you know what else is? What? Oh, shoot, what's that, mo- what's that movie called? The one that's based on Darktown. Monkey... Monkey Bone? Yes! Monkey Bone! Oh, wow. I think that's the first time Monkey Bone's been described as the better version of something. <laughs> It's fine. It's 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 an art house film. I I know that I know that people use that as like a dismissive way to dismiss criticism of it, but honest to god, yeah, it's just an art house film. Um it's a super underrated film. I didn't particularly care for it, but I appreciated what it was doing. Also, way better animated bits than this. Yep. Oh, uh just in case you aren't exactly our age and and haven't and are not familiar with Monkey Bone, because I think it did kind of fade from consciousness. I mean, it's worth a look if you're into that sort of movie, which you probably are if you're listening to this podcast. Yeah, Brendan Fraser is a cartoonist who goes into a coma, and in his coma, he's, like, inside of his own cartoons. Hey, you know what that's also a better version of? Cool World? Yes, on- yes, honestly, but 
Uh, I was going to say the last episode of Charmed we talked about where Prue has a fight with Death because Death is in a... Death Death is in, in uh, Monkey, Monkey Bone, Bone. Played by Whoopi Goldberg. That is accurate. Also, there's a giant animatronic Abraham Lincoln for some reason. Also, Rose McGowan's a cat person. Oh, yeah. Anyway, darker... I think they were going for a Beetlejuice thing, honestly. Oh, yeah, totally. But, I mean, it is it is more art housey than Beetlejuice. Although, how good is Beetlejuice? Tina showed it to me for the first time recentishly. I can't believe that was your first time watching it. It's so good. It's so good. And I've been enjoying the musical. I haven't seen it, but I've been listening to the songs, which are good. They're not, like, groundbreaking or anything. But, honestly, Beetlejuice really lends itself to being a musical. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Really more of that. It's like Little Shop of Horrors. There are some movies, mostly horror movies, that are really, really rife for being, you know. Well, Little Shop of Horrors is a musical. But it started as a straight movie. Yes, the straight movie didn't lend itself to being a musical, though. Have but, you have you seen the original Little Shop of Horrors? Uh, I've only seen the scene with the dentist and the guy who's really excited to be tortured by him. Played by Jack Nicholson? Yes. Okay, so, number one... <laughs> You know what? I don't even care that this is a tangent episode. <laughs> that's what it is. That that's what you're hearing. That's what you're getting to this week. Okay. The black and white little shop of horrors, the original Roger Corman horror movie, mm. is really just a run-of-the-mill horror movie. There's not anything special about it that distinguishes it from other Roger Corman movies, other than the fact that you know, it became a really successful musical. Yeah, you, that somebody saw it and thought I should turn this into a musical. The musical, and you know, I, why I, is no one singing? Why is no one dancing? And I like, I like the the Roger Corman movie because I do love kind of, I love B Roger movies. Roger Corman. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I have, I have no issues with it, but it, there's nothing about it that makes it stand out. Like the producers is a movie where you watch it and you go, well, there should obviously be songs here. <laughs> um. But I also wanted to say the thing about the scene with the dentist where uh, the the pain-obsessed guy played in the musical by Bill Murray and mm. played in the Roger Corman movie by Jack Nicholson, it is just, it stands out so much that Jack Nicholson is the best actor in the entire movie and he has five minutes on screen. It's there, so there, stark when it's next to everything else. There are great five minutes. I feel like I've made the right choice by having that be the only part of that movie I've seen. Yeah, that's 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 a good choice on your part. It's probably on YouTube still. Oh, I bet it is. And I saw it like, God, like almost 20 years ago. Well, if you ever want to watch it and it's not streaming legally anywhere, you are married to someone who owns it on DVD. Oh, with the original... Oh, oh, the Roger Corman version? Yeah. Dang. Yeah. <laughs> I was, yeah, I might, I might be up for that. Farscape. So, uh, Dargo and Chiana go down to tell Pilot about what happened and Dargo throws a little hissy fit and throws his the blade into, like, the bowels of Moya. And, and Chiana's like... Really? Really? What did that accomplish, Darko? To what end? And Darko's like, I don't know. It just seemed like the thing to do. <laughs> and Chiana's like, you're going to want that later. Also, oh, God knows why. Does he ever use it? Um. Well, in this episode, it, it turns out to be pretty important. Oh, God, yeah. Also, the fact that the ship is going to self-destruct, is just screwing up Moya. So everything is bad now. John is going to die from his coma, and the ship is going to explode because there's a smaller exploding ship inside of it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, Gianna's like, okay, uh, Pilot, can you just have Moya, like, poop out the exploding ship so we don't all die when it explodes? And Pilot's like, no, unfortunately, it's radiating radiation to stop Moya from opening her doors so we can just solve this problem in the simplest way possible. Yep. Oh, no, something is happening to stop the obvious solution. It's it's like it's not like every week, but it happens enough so that I feel like the writers of Farscape should feel bad whenever they use that as a plot thing. Because it's, oh, Ta- oh, Moya's burned. Oh, Talon got beat up by Aaron's mom. There's always something stopping the Leviathans from just being competent spaceships. Well, I mean, there has to be because otherwise the Leviathans are just too powerful and there's no plot. Then don't have them written that powerful in the show. Like, if you create something that can solve all of, and I know this is the problem with Jean Grey in animated TV shows. You can't have her be competent, otherwise there are no conflicts. Farscape, I'm sorry. Speaking of animated TV shows. Speaking, right back, right back around. So, Head Scorpius, Harvey, is berating John that he has to have something to live for. And he's like, I'm living for Aaron, who I love. Whom I love? Yeah, whom I love. I'm, I'm, I'm living for Aaron, whom I love. And Scorpius is like... No, love is stupid. That doesn't work. No. And also, she's off with the other you right now. So that's a bad thing to say you're living for. You have to give me something better. Otherwise, you will die. If you're not Tony Robbins inspired enough not to die, then you're going to... What is this? He's also... He also says, like, you think that you have control over me, but you don't. Which is the really awkward, sweaty way of having John imagine him into a chuck jones style animated scorpius yeah yeah it's something about him being injured has made scorpius strong enough to take over the brain i guess I mean, this that, is, part, that part works for me that's fine yeah but i i don't get what brain scorpius thing is here though like does he genuinely does he genuinely think this is the only way to stop john from dying or is I, he, I think he does okay i guess that makes more sense than I don't know, but anyway, John's like, shut up, Scorpius, and he turns him into a cartoon, and Scorpius is like, oh no, I'm a cartoon, and then he throws the cartoon bit away, and he's like, thanks, John, that cost, like, $17,000. And, yeah, he tells John that he has to focus on revenge, because that's the thing that humans are evolved to be most connected to. Yeah, apparently revenge is the entire reason humanity thrived as a species, and it's the only way he can pure will his way out of this coma. So John imagines a giant weight falling on top of Cartoon Scorpius cartoon style, because as as we've said in this podcast, Scorpius is the one that John is angry at, not Dargo. Yeah, shouldn't he just be like, ha 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 ha, it's my fault that, uh, Zan's dead, and that Aaron's going and boning the other you. This is all me. Beat the crap out of me, John. If you die, you can't do that. Yeah. But no, instead, it's this weird thing where he's like, you need to kill Dargo, and John's like, no. So, Jewel and Dargo talk inside the ship, and Dargo's like, yeah, all the stuff I was doing with the ship, whatever Crichton did screwed it all up, and Jewel's like, maybe it wasn't Crichton? Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> curious that so this is as as i was talking about in in john's coma he goes to talk to pilot and pilot is like ah 
my thing is I deal with stuff rationally. And Pilot's like, oh, my deal is that I am connected to a starship whose best defense is that she can run super fast. So that's what I do. I run away from problems. That's what you should do with Dargo. You should run away. And John's like, good idea. Let's do an extended, way too long Roadrunner sequence. Yeah. To be fair, I like Pilot's logic here. Because he's, like, running away when confronted with danger is the best solution. Because it gets you out of the path of danger. And also, if you're facing an aggressor who tires easily or who can be reasoned with, running away gives you the space to deal with that problem in its own time. Which is a pretty good argument for running away, but it does lead to this god-awful Roadrunner parody. Is it a god-awful Roadrunner parody, or were Roadrunner and Coyote cartoons just bad? Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, I like the design of Cartoon John okay, I guess. It's fine. Oh, so uh, these cartoon designs, by the way, were done by the people who did uh, Animaniacs and Tiny Toon Adventures. So the designs are not bad. Yeah, they're not, like, great or anything, but they're fine. They're good enough. And, okay, so... I mostly know this from Alison Pregler's amazing Baywatching videos. I have no idea where you're going with this. Go on. Well, there is an episode of Baywatch that is technically-ish a crossover with Gilligan's Island. Oh, yes, I do know that. And it is shot in the style of Gilligan's Island, and it has the same sort of humor as Gilligan's Island. As Alison Pregler puts it, it's a very, very well-done homage to a terrible, terrible show. So that's the thing, and I haven't seen a Roadrunner cartoon for a while. I I am a cartoon enthusiast. I have watched a lot of cartoons, but like, if I'm going old school, I'm going probably Disney shorts or UPA cartoons. Well, I, even if you are doing Looney Tunes, there is a uh, there is a Duck Amuck parody in here, and that's probably the greatest cartoon of all time. And the parody is terrible. Yeah, I... I don't... I'm sorry, this just makes me keep thinking about better things. But yeah, the episode of Community where Jeff has an age-related crisis and regresses into a G.I. Joe-inspired cartoon delusion. I mean, it isn't inspired. It's straight-up G.I. Joe. Mm -hmm. It's really good. And those cartoons were also... I'm sorry to offend people in the audience who might be really into G.I. Joe, but... Those cartoons were also pretty bad, but it's fun. It plays with the genre. It has that really great joke about repeating animation. I know. This is just like, this is just straight up a Roadrunner cartoon. Like, there's a thing where Dargo paints a wormhole on a cliff's edge, and then John is actually able to go through it, and then Dargo is like, what? And he crashes into it. Like, that's, a, that's just a straight up Roadrunner bit. But... Scorpius captures John in a spiderweb in space, like like a Borg or something. Well, S Scorpius tells him, look, you're hiding in this cartoon, but because you think it's something safe you can retreat into and control, but even here you don't have the control you think you do. And then he gets caught in the spiderweb and Dargo's there as a spider trying to eat him. Also, also Scorpius wants to convince him that Pilot's plan of just running isn't going to work. He's got to get revenge on Dargo for reasons. And he, like, 
CPRs John back out of the cartoon. Into... Even though this is all part of, I mean, that's fine, whatever. Yeah. He brings him out of the, uh, out of the cartoon level of the coma into the mind space part of the coma, which is one step better than, uh, cartoon, but one step worse than not being in a coma at all. Yes. Yes, that is worse than not being in a coma at all. Ideally, ideally, <laughs> ideally you'll have no coma. <laughs> yes. Oh, God knows that doesn't seem to be working out for John. Uh, he would have so much brain damage by this point. Back in Moya, Pilot- Also, apparently when they were doing that brain surgery on him, he's like, leave the cartoons. I need to be able to reference cartoons. You can take away all memories of my extended family, but leave me cartoons. Yep. Yep. So, uh, back on Moya, Pilot tells Jewel that there's a piece of Moya that can be, like, ejected, so she needs to get with Dargo and Chiana and go to that part of the ship with some food, and then they'll eject them into space, and then hopefully someone friendly will find them before they die of hypothermia and running out of air. Which doesn't seem like a great plan! (laughs) I understand it's, like, literally a Hail Mary, but... <laughs> this would be really awkward for everyone if this is how Moya's crew died. Like, that would be super embarrassing. Yeah. Z- like, Zan would never stop making fun of them. Oh my god, that's so true. We know she's watching. I wonder if she took her eyes off of, uh, other John, off of Scar John, to watch this John... And then she went back to Scar John, and he was dead, and she was like, crap! This is why you don't split into two people, John! That would explain why she didn't make an appearance when John died and Stark was guiding him to the other side, because it really feels like she should have. Right? Yeah. No, instead, uh, instead she was just watching John that week. What if this is happening simultaneous to that? It almost certainly is. God. So Chiana's trying to talk Dargo down from being, like, a total dick. And get him calm enough that he can figure out how to get the ship to stop self-destructing. And he curses at her in a curse that is not translated because it is an ancient Luxon. And when he does so, the ship activates because it responds to the ancient Luxon swear that he knows from his grandfather. Okay. No, that, that that's actually one of the parts of this episode that really works for me. Yeah, fine. I'm sorry, it's just the whole situation around it is so contrived. Like, what, Dargo knew no words from Ancient Luxon, except, you know. I mean, you've read, um, Canterbury Tales, right? Yeah, and it's mostly garbage, but, not mostly garbage, but mostly, like, very, very hard to read Middle English. Yeah, I mean, you can understand how he could, he, not being a literature major, could not interpret the ancient Luxon, but then might have a phrase that's ancient Luxon that he said. No, I mean, just the fact that he's been around this ship so much and hasn't accidentally said an ancient Luxon word. Oh. Eh. Like, I'm sure that belt or something is pretty much the same as it was in the Middle Ages. Eh. Anyway, Pilot's gonna come up with, a. Uh, a translator micro booster shot for Dargo that will allow him to speak ancient Luxon. And Chiana's like, um... Couldn't they just do the spaceship with translator microbes so it would hear everything in ancient Luxon? Oh, they should. They should. Uh, but Jewel is like, um, how come you don't speak ancient Luxon? You're a Luxon! And I do like this. He says, I'm not an ancient Luxon! And she says, and now you never will be! <laughs> 
That's a great turn of phrase from Jewel. Yes. Honestly, that's that's a great line. So Jewel and Chiana are trying to get this all set up, and Jewel reveals to Chiana that she's the one who screwed up the ship. And Chiana's just screaming and screaming at her. <laughs> she's, it is, it is like out of control. It's like the way, you can't even tell what they're saying to each other because they're just both screaming. And then they bring their faces really close together like they're going to start kissing, but then they're just <laughs> screaming again. It's like eating at a Denny's. But yeah, Darko shines his light on them and he's like, are you two about to have sex? And they're like, uh, no. We're just having a conversation. Oh, uh, by the way, while they're having this shouting conversation, they're hauling John's comatose body. Uh, Presumably to the place that they could seal off in Jettison. Mm. Um, so John is hearing this in his coma state. He's, he's hearing this intense fight in his coma. And then in his coma, Jewel shows up and is like, Hey, um, my way of dealing with things is to be, is to reason with people because I'm super smart. You okay. Sh- okay, Jewel. <laughs> I mean, I guess I can see her thinking that, but... Yeah. Was Jewel very unpopular at the time? I can't imagine there's a huge Jewel fan base. I'm pretty sure there is not a big Jewel fan base. No. Anyway, she tells John that he should, uh, he should just reason with Dargo. And, I mean... Yeah... It implies that your issue is something other than you got in a stupid fight and you... And and you took a misstep that resulted in a coma that was a freak accident. But whatever. Jules like, reason with Dargo. So Jules like, so, uh, sure sucks that John- Okay, I can't take it anymore. I think it was me. I think I might have done something. And Dargo's like, yeah, I know. I just found out that your hair is all wrapped up around the controls. God, she must be shedding constantly. And- but well established that her hair does mess up electronics. Yeah. Honestly, how did her race ever become spacefaring? Exactly. Oh my god. Do we ever see them? Do we find out? Maybe they fly in like, I don't know, giant fruit or something. I don't think we ever do see the rest of her race, no. Wouldn't it be weird if metal was just not a thing on their planet? Because it would make of that? sense, yeah, because her screams mount metal. Um, she tells Dargo basically that she thought that because she's so smart, she would be able to fix the ship for him. And then he would bang her. And that was, that's what was happening. <laughs> yeah, because she's like, look, since Chiana and your son screwed like bunnies, you haven't had sex, you know, and it seems like uh, maybe it was time. And, you know, I'm lonely. I kissed John earlier, which was kind of weird given that we have basically no relationship whatsoever. So, yeah, I was, I was horny and I thought you'd bone me if I fixed your ship. And Dorga's like, no. No, and she's like, are you going to kill me like you killed Triton? And he's like, I'm all murdered out today. What with the killing John and almost (laughs) killing all of the rest of us by, you know, setting off a series of events that uh, made this ship go to self-destruct. Yeah, so really he's not not killing her. He's just delaying the killing of her. Okay, so then John imagines that he sees Aaron in a robe... Yeah, like, she's like, John, it's it's cartoon Aaron, and she's like, John, I can't believe you're imagining me in this sexy, sexy outfit, and it's like, a robe that's showing off a lot of cleavage, I guess. 
Oh, and she's she's drawn in like the super sexy cartoon style with the teeny tiny waist and giant triangle boobs. So John pulls out a massive novelty pencil. This is the duckamuck part, and redraws her as Jessica Rabbit. And she's like, "This isn't even clever. This is just Jessica Rabbit." She quotes the line. She says, "I'm not bad. I'm just drawn that way." Which we we know. Y- you're being very obvious with what you're doing. She's like, come on, John. Can't you use a little more imagination? Just saying it doesn't make it okay. Acknowledging that it's a parody doesn't... I it, it, So it's this. It's a, a whole annoying thing where she she's like, couldn't you imagine something a little more original? So then she does this like quick change thing where she turns into Marilyn Monroe or... If you'd prefer, but probably not Hollywood from Cool World. Oh, yeah. She does a spinning transformation and she has a quick series. She transforms into Cleopatra, but then quotes Romeo and Juliet. And he's like, wrong Shakespeare. And then she turns into Madonna, Dorothy from Wizard of Oz, because don't forget this show is really Wizard of Oz. And then she turns into... Oh. I'm assuming Pamela Anderson from uh, Baywatch. She, turns she could it... be Yasmin Bleeth. No, because she's blonde. Ah, ah, of course, of course. But she turns into, I'm assuming Pamela Anderson's character, although there there were a lot of blonde women. I guess it's not out of, um, who is the actress who played Shawnee? I was going to ask you that. Yeah, whoever played Shawnee, Erica Aliniak. Like... Erica Liniak was famous enough, so it could very broadly be a parody of her. Mm-hmm. But I think it's probably Pamela. It's yeah, it's almost certainly Pamela Anderson or CJ, as she was known on the show. But uh, yeah, she she turns into a parody of her, who's like this, like super bimbo. She's like, I could save you, maybe, duh. And she's like rolling her eyes and rolling her hair in her finger, and I'm like, is that what people thought Baywatch? Was? Yeah, nobody watched Baywatch with the sound on. And, like, I mean, I know it was basically softcore porn, despite everything David Hasselhoff has said. Uh-huh. Because, I mean, it was, in theory, a family show. Well, like, you could feasibly sit down and watch that with your kids every Thursday or whatever. Well, I mean, and, could you? Because you just brought up um, Alison Pregler's amazing Baywatching series. And that series is great because it just outlines the ridiculous plots of Baywatch. But the fact is, those plots are very, very short. And most of the show is just filled out, no pun intended, with women running on the beach. Yes. Yeah. But, like, the thing about it is, like, you have plausible deniability. That is the thing about Baywatch. It has the plausible deniability of being a family show. But I don't think a lot of people actually watched it. I think it was just a punchline. I mean, I know, I know it actually got good ratings. I know it somehow is, a lot of people did watch it. I don't even know what to say about that. It is one of the most viewed TV shows of all time. It's one of those things like um, Two and a Half Men, where apparently it was super high rated, but I don't know a single person who actually watched it. Yeah. But, again, the thing about Baywatch is that there was, like, Hobie plots. Hobie was David Hasselhoff's son character. Like, there were plots with kids, which must have been really weird if you were one of the people watching it, you know... For the very, 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 very many bikini montages. Like, it must be weird to... Awkward. Awkward. Yeah, to go from Pamela Anderson, like, having an ice cube bath with uh, Yasmin Bleeth and, like, to 
like hard cut from that to Hobie having doofy adventures with his dumb kid friends. Like, oh my god, the kids are lost in Pirate Cove. And it's like, oh, thanks for cutting directly to that from CJ and... Um, Stephanie? No, not Stephanie. Um, Yasmin Belize's character. I don't know. I just call her Yasmin Belize. Carolyn. Okay. To hard cut from, you know, CJ and Carolyn having an ice cube bath to kid adventures. It's weird. I know part of the appeal of Baywatch is that it's weird. They fought aliens and stuff. Even before that one season of Baywatch Nights, that was just a ripoff of X-Files. Seriously, watch Alison Pregler's Baywatching videos. They are so good, and they really encapsulate the weirdness of the show. But, uh, anyway, Aaron is turning into various sexy cartoon ladies. And John's like a super creeper. He's like, hey, can you do the Sharon Stone from Basic Instinct thing? And then she turns into, like, a... Nancy Reagan. Ugh, Yeah. And she's like, just say, and he's like, no. And he turns her into regular Aaron, and she's like, ooh, that's better. Except she's wearing this weird, like, bikini top thing I don't think I've ever seen Aaron wear. No, no, this is this is her top. It's just that when it's drawn all stylized, the leather top that basically has one button in the middle, when it's drawn all stylized the way it is, um... You, you see that it's showing more skin than the bathrobe was. Yeah, it's showing, like, her entire torso, basically. It's, like, basically just covering her breasts. Also, she has these really big red triangle earrings. What's that about? Does? I, I don't... I don't think I've ever seen Aaron wearing earrings. Yeah. Anyway, Dargo comes <laughs> out from around the corner, and now we're back in a Roadrunner cartoon again. And Aaron's like, run... Uh, yeah, Aaron, Aaron's like, run, John, run. I, I was about to, I, I thought I remembered that wrong, but no, because it's run, forest, run. Yeah, she does it like Jenny. Because yeah. she, she's just been doing all of these parodies, which Claudia Black does fine in them. It's just, it's such a weird bit because it has literally nothing to do with Aaron's character at all. Yeah, no, not at all. Like, Look, you have John in a coma. You had a really good opportunity for him to be dealing with being... his feelings about being separated from Aaron and Aaron being with the other him. Instead, it was just a series of Aaron is sexy slash animators or horny gags with weird triangle boob Aaron. Yep. And uh, then we get, you know... Like I said, another Roadrunner sequence, and then we get John. It's kind of a, a Elmer Fudd uh, Bugs Bunny bit, where Darko keeps trying to shoot John with like an Elmer Fudd style gun, but John a like rifle. Yes, but John keeps on like changing the direction the barrel's pointing, or like moving the barrel, or moving the trigger so Darko can't shoot it, or like flipping it around so it shoots Darko instead. And then Dargo just hits him with it, and he falls to the ground. He's like, oh no, now cartoon Dargo is going to kill me, and then I guess I die in real life. And Scorpius brings him back out to coma level one. Yeah, yeah, with the... Uh... Surgery? No, no, uh, uh, well, he, he starts off with paddles. Yeah. And then he just throws a bucket of water on him. <laughs> but he is dressed like a surgeon, and he has a mask over his, uh... Mask. Over his mask. Ugh... Okay, so they're looking for... Back on Moya out of the coma space. They're uh, injecting Dargo with the new booster microbes and uh, 
Pilot's like, uh, by the way, I only know a little bit of ancient Luxon, so you're just gonna have a little bit of ancient Luxon. And Darga's like, you know what, Pilot? You did your best, and that's all anyone can ask of you. I'm a totally rational person. Yeah, it's... Where, where <laughs> was that Darga 20 minutes ago? God. And Jules like, aren't you mad at me? Aren't you gonna yell? Isn't Daddy mad? And he's like, no, look... I'm frustrated at the situation, but I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed that you've doomed us all for no reason. And she's like, does daddy want to spank me? And he's like, I don't feel like you get what I'm going for here. So Dargo discovers that the ship will stop its self-destruct sequence with one of three ancient artifacts. This is like a video game. With one of three ancient Luxon artifacts, some ancient tome, some ancient amulet, or a Quotha blade. Too bad I didn't ask for his jerking off knife. Remember when that was a thing? I do. It's too bad he threw his Quotha blade into Moya's guts. <laughs> He's a perfectly rational being, Tina. Uh, so yeah, now, uh, now Dargo and Chiana and Jewel have to climb through Moya's guts looking for the Quotha blade so that they can... Use it to shut down the ship's self-destruct. I like how they took off John's shirt because he's in a coma. That seems necessary. Well, they put little little leads on him so that they could measure his heartbeat because it's an alien race in space. Clearly, they're going to use the same little sticky leads that we use now. And Pilot points, th- points out that these are things Zan left behind. He's like, if you're going to use Zan's equipment, be careful. She's dead, so we can't get more. Yep. Okay, so down down in the bowels of Moya, we... How much do you think Jewel feels the shadow of Zan? I don't think... Jewel thinks like that? I don't think she does. Yeah, I don't think she does feel the shadow of Zan. I think she probably... Yeah, she, she doesn't have the kind of depth of reflection for that. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, with anyone else, I feel like Xan would just be this figure that you were just constantly comparing yourself to. Yeah. Like, she's a less useful Xan. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Stark is a slightly less useful Xan. Jewel is... An actively harmful Xan, but not as impressively actively harmful as Xan occasionally was. Yes. So... Do we ever see another Delvian? I don't think so. I wouldn't swear to it, but I don't think we do. Oh, wait. There's an episode coming up with, like, a mirror crew, but I don't think there's a Delvian on it. Anyway, down in the bowels of Moya, apparently Moya has these, like, uh, I was gonna say parasitic, but it's not parasitic, it's, uh... Symbiotic? Symbiotic, thank you. She has these, like, symbiotic organisms that, like live in her guts and their poop like seals up minor cracks and stuff in Moya's hall which is kind of cool because she's biological that makes total sense it's like it's like gut bacteria yeah but it's mostly an excuse to have Joel wade through poo looking for the uh qualtha blade which thanks whoever wrote this episode so uh back in uh john's coma he's talking to chiana who's like hey have you tried fucking your problem? Because that's what I would do. Yeah, seriously. Like, I slept with Dargo a lot. One handy J and you're in the clear. Oh. Like, honestly, I probably could have gotten out of the whole having sex with his son thing if I wanted to. Like, 
just have sex with Dargo and that'll solve the problem. We're joking. She says, outthink him. That's what I would do. Beat him at his own game. And John's like, isn't that kind of the same thing Jewel told me? And Chiana's like, yes, but phrased slightly differently. Also, she didn't say it all like with a sexy voice like I'm doing. So then there's more Roadrunner. Dargo sets a trap for John and he baits it with beer and pizza. <laughs> you know what is a better version of this? I know I've been saying that literally all There's episode. a lot of better versions of this. What what's what's the one you're thinking of? Do you remember the Clone High episode where Scudworth gets a skunk nemesis called Skunky Poo? And all of the jokes are that Skunky Poo does Looney Tunes style things to Scudworth. But Scudworth gets injured in realistic ways. I don't remember that bit. Oh, I need to do a Clone High rewatch. Like, there's a bit where uh, he has, like, free bacon for, uh, free bacon for skunks to try to get rid of the skunk. Uh Uh-huh. And the skunk replaces it with free bacon for Scudworths. And Scudworth is like, oh, that's me. And he he tries to take a bite of the bacon and it's replaced with a stick of dynamite. And it explodes and Skunky Poo says his catchphrase, try and catch me, bitch. (laughs) <laughs> and Scudworth is just writhing on the ground screaming for like 10 seconds. Clone High is another really underrated show. I feel like what we're doing this episode is like creating a curriculum of things that you could be watching instead of this, right? Like, go watch Monkey Bone or Clone High. This this episode is the Plain Expectations one, which is the one with Ashley Angel from O-Town. Oh! <laughs> Ashley Angel from O-Town! I love that episode so much. Don't you know? All celebrities are naturally hairless. It's such a great... I'm sorry. I I know it's really annoying when people quote things, but Clone High is an infinitely quotable show. It is. Also, it's by Bill Lawrence before he got weird. I mean... I mean... Okay, it, it's it's partially by Bill Lawrence, so there's a ton of voices you'll recognize, including his wife. Krista Miller. Who plays Cleopatra, which probably wouldn't fly now, but... his He's got some weird... His, his shows have some weird things about his ideas of women, and I think some of that comes across in Clone High, but I feel like it's mostly limited to Cleopatra. If you were... No, no, if you were written... By Bill Lawrence, and you are a woman, you are one of two women. You are an icy bitch goddess who, you know, crushes all before her with her naked cruelty. Or you're a neurotic, needy mess who's so broken if only she had some sense of stability. All women are one of those two uh, women. Archetypes. Archetypes. And they can switch at any time. Yeah. And he... he and I'm going to be clear here. I'm saying this, but this is something Bill Lawrence, uh, his characters have said, basically verbatim in Cougar Town. Oh yeah, and for for reference, if you're not, if you don't know off the top of your head who Bill Lawrence is, um, Scrubs, Cougar Town, Clone mm-hmm. High. So like that's if you think about the way women are portrayed in those shows, it's like oh. I mean, I still like those shows. I I haven't watched Scrubs in a while because I feel like it might have aged worse it did not age well but there's still some really great stuff in it and honestly it's one of the best shows for doing mood shift stuff oh my god seriously if if you were teaching like a screenwriting class i would use several scrubs episodes for like doing tonal shifts well like going from comedy to drama well that's a good place to jump back into the episode because after another incredibly interminable 
Roadrunner bit, uh, Dargo successfully blows up John, which takes him back to the upper level of his coma, where it goes from, uh-oh, cartoon explosion to real explosion, where everyone's all splattered with gore, and there's fire and dirt and dust everywhere. And then Dargo stabs John to death. Dargo's like, this is no cartoon! We're done with cartoon violence, now I'm just gonna stab you with my Quoltha blade. But then, then instead we, uh... We cut to black, and then we have, like, a weird, a weird funeral sequence where Scorpius is giving a eulogy for John. Yeah, and he's like, he was a pig-headed, moronic idiot, but the one thing he was was a place that needed to stay alive for me to stay alive, so thanks for nothing, you sack of shit. His, uh, his gravestone in in the coma world says uh here lies john Crichton, human astronaut natural born loser god i wonder it's it's no uh she saved the world a lot okay okay not to get into another shy thing but how weird was it that they buried buffy and got her a headstone and everything and then kept pretending she was alive yeah that is weird like do vampires not read tombstones at all I mean, that actually doesn't seem out of character for me. I can see that vampires wouldn't read tombstones. It it just it seems like the sort of thing one would notice. Yeah. Huh. Anyway, John tells Scorpius that like he got revenge on a kid once when he was seven and it didn't it wasn't good. And Scorpius is like, But Dargo stole your life, how can you be okay with that? And it's like, um Scorpius. <laughs> Are you at all familiar? With your past, with John, and what your relationship is? Like, what? Also, this is an interesting uh, companion to last week when John and Crace were, like, on good, friendly terms as John died. Mm. After Crace, you know, tried to kill him for a year and a half. Do you think any really big Farscape fans put it in their wills that that would be what their uh, gravestones read? I don't think so. You don't this think this is the sort of thing you'd be like, you know what this would be? You know what my own death would be? A really good excuse for a Farscape reference. I mean, that's kind of badass, but no, I don't think so. <laughs> would, I, they, would they let you put astronaut on your tombstone if you were one? I mean, I think they let you put anything there. That is true. I, I read an Ada where uh, this woman's uh, mother, like... Her father left her mother for a much younger woman, uh-huh. but he died before they got divorced. So her mother got to choose his tombstone. Oh no! And uh, she put like it was his tombstone was like son, father, philanderer, and everyone was mad at her for not talking her mom out of it. And she's like, Ada, how, does that actually fall to me as a thing to stop? But I'm like. No. I mean, it seems like they're all just can't yell at your mom, so they're yelling at you. Yeah, that's exactly what was happening. I'm and sorry, Farscape. So Dargo in the coma is trying to come up to John, but it's like this weird thing where it's not animated anymore, but it's still very cartoony, and then he's like walking and he gets stuck in a trap, but he's still walking, and he comes to John who spins around in a And he's got like this cartoonishly large cigar. 
and uh, he pulls a giant lever out of nowhere, and he's like... That opens up a trap door that Dargo doesn't start falling through until he looks down at it like a cartoon. It's kind of a lot. But what's interesting, I, I, this is a nice cut, because we cut from that to everyone in the bowels of the ship looking for the Qualtha Blade, because it, like, it goes from Dargo falling to everyone who's down there. Yeah. It's, that's... That's the nice thing I could say about this episode. It's a good it's a good transition. Oh, also I believe the radiation wave knocked out pilots' ability to communicate with DRDs, which is why DRDs are not doing this. Yes, that is accurate. Which it's weird that this radiation burst happened to stop the two things that would solve this plot instantly. <laughs> it's really convenient that it was that specific of a radiation burst. So Jewel finds the Qualtha Blade. Yay! They race to the ship so that they can stick it into the thing right before it goes off. Oh my. Yeah. Dargo's like, what am I supposed to do with the Qualtha Blade to stop the ship? And Shanna's like, um, maybe you put it in that Qualtha Blade shaped hole. And he's like, ah, yes, of course! So he does, and the red light turns green, and it looks like we're not gonna die in a dumb ship explosion today. Okay, so he has to put that in there... To stop the ship from doing self-destruct, but my memory of this ship is that the Qualtha Blade is required to operate the ship at all, that it has to be in there. So it's like, these three ancient Luxon artifacts can are, are essentially the key to the ship, and mm. I like that. I think that's cool. I wish the ship stuff didn't, wasn't in this episode. I wish it was in a different, better episode so that I could be like, oh yeah, Darkus cool ship stuff. So, back in John's Coma Escape... Dargo is knocking all of the cartoonish props out of the way so that he can confront John. There's like a bear trap and blah, blah, blah. So he spins John around because John's in a spinning chair. But uh uh-oh, it's a dummy John that's full of dynamite or whatever. And the the dummy John explodes and Dargo, even though he's not animated anymore, gets that animated explosion face with like his tentacles sticking up like hair, like it happens. And John... Tells Scorpius, you know, this doesn't feel good. This doesn't work for me. Uh, it turns out that you are in my subconscious and you're all like, ooh, lizard brain wants revenge. But uh, that's not how human brains actually work, it turns out. And nope, you 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 live here, but you don't speak the language. Yeah, yeah, like you have access to my memories, but you don't, you're not human, so you don't understand what makes humans tick. It turns out the answer was love. The whole point of this coma was that John learned that the thing that's most important to him is that he loves Aaron, which incidentally is the thing that he said at the very beginning of his coma. Yeah. And, and then she, he wakes up. And he and also she very significantly only appeared in this episode as a series of sexy gags. Was it a thing that the Baywatch women were supposed to be stupid? That's what I keep going back to. Yeah, like, I think so. That's the joke? That Where does that come from? That's not a thing in the show. Yeah, I don't think it was a joke. I think it was just an assumption. And I think it just had to do with uh, the assumption that because they were sexy and generally sex objects, they were therefore not intelligent, even though on the show they are portrayed as intelligent. Yeah, they're like scientists and stuff. Sexy scientists. Yeah. It's still science if you're sexy. I, I know, I'm just saying. But 
Yeah, so it's weird that his love for Aaron turns out to be the key, but also she only appeared as a series of sexy sex gags. Yeah, it's like, what are you in love with, John? Like, what exactly are you in love with? It looks like she made the right choice getting stranded with Star... with Scar Joe. Yeah. I mean, he at least liked her for stuff other than her body and wit, which you made up. She is witty, but not in the... Not that way, though. Yeah, yeah she's not pop culture quoting witty. It just... It makes it seem like John has this weird idealized version of Aaron that isn't reflective of the actual totally awesome Aaron. I mean, it's like, do you want your own sense of humor in a cartoonishly sexy body? Because that's what it seems. Just marry a body pillow. Anyway, John stumbles to the ship and is like, hey, I'm awake now. This whole episode could have just not happened. This whole episode could have been an email. (laughs) This whole episode could have been an email. John was very briefly unconscious and Argo turned off a ship. There, you didn't need to listen to anything that came before that. Dargo turns... John takes a nap, Dargo turns a key. Oh my god. Okay, so... John takes a nap, Jewel finds Dargo's lost keys, (laughs) Dargo starts or stops a ship. Oh... There's also this, like, moment where um, Dargo's like, hey, John, um, I'm super sorry about all that. And there is a, you said earlier, like, this is season one Dargo. And the thing is, even this show, even this episode where they were flogging this whole revenge on Dargo thing, understands that they can't leave it like that because it doesn't make sense so dargo has to approach john and be like hey john um in my culture if you attack an ally it's like a really big deal and i'm super sorry because that's obviously what i did in a way that he wouldn't have done season one because in season one he didn't see john as an ally Mm. and john is by the way in a spacesuit floating outside because he doesn't want to talk to anyone that's such a like i do kind of like that he's not even like in the you know, the solarium room. He's he's floating in space. To avoid talking to people. And then we get a weird shot from John's point of view where he's looking out into space and from his point of view he sees space as a cartoon and it it's like weird. I don't like it. Also, we kind of skipped over it, but Joel told Chiana, hey, by the way, I'm going to have sex with your ex-boyfriend. And Chiana was like, yeah, okay, that'll happen. <laughs> Which I feel like is a pretty cool attitude for Chiana to have, all things considered. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you assume something's not going to happen, you don't need to bother getting upset about it, but... I don't think Chiana... I mean, Chiana loves Dargo, all things being equal. I think she'd want to be back with him, but, um... Yeah, she's not going to be jealous, I don't think. So. So, John's like, we're cool, Dargo, whatever. Episode over. Oh my god, Oh my god. This was, like, so hard to get through. Uh, There were so many points where I'm like, how is this still going? And, I don't know, maybe the Roadrunner cartoons are fine because they're, like, not a 40-minute episode of television. Yeah, like, two minutes tops. That's the most that you can watch a Roadrunner cartoon for. Uh, Our next episode, we're going to be back with Real Life Aaron. The episode is called The Choice, and the description on Amazon Prime is, On a planet of mystics, seers, and frauds, Aaron attempts to contact her father. Huh. Yeah. 
Well, that was really interesting up to the word, up until the word father, but, you know, other than that, yeah. But This would be the place to see Delvians if we were going to see them, which I'm guessing we're not. No, I don't think there are Delvians in that episode. Uh, I think if probably, if one of your uh, makeups was killing the actress who was wearing it, you probably would be reticent about using it in the future. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. So, we have some segments, although I think that the... First two are going to be a little uh, brief. Actually, I, that's not the case. Our first segment is A Distant Part of the Universe, which is what world building worked for you. And I actually really love Dargo's ship. I, I, like I said, I wish it was in a better episode. But I love the idea of, like, the ancient ship, and it has to be operated with an artifact to make sure that only an actual Luxon can, can use yeah. it, yeah, can wield it. Um, and this ship is going to become a much bigger part of of dargo's character and so i i I appreciate the world building of dargo's ship i mean i guess i thought the uh, sword is a key thing was kind of neat and uh our second segment is strange alien creatures but there was no new there were no new creatures in this episode no character designs uh, unless you were particularly into the way the animation was done i was going to mention i do like the cartoon designs of most of the characters scorpius is fine i guess oh that's so funny i was gonna say scorpius was the one i liked the most i i like the way he um he was drawn and like where he has his uh his cooling rods on his head and like little corks yeah the thing the the real impression I got from them, which you said it was done by the studio that did uh, Tiny Toons. Yeah. I got a real, like, background characters from Animaniacs vibe from all of the designs of, mm, you know. Yeah, yeah. This would not be the lead of a show, but someone who appears in the background of, like, a episode of Freakazoid or whatever. Yeah, totally. Or uh, or in a Lord Bravery sketch. Do you remember those? Yes. Uh, you know what especially looked like that was Aaron as Nancy Reagan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Our final segment is The Wonders That I've Seen, which is what emotionally resonated with you in this episode. Um, It was definitely when Aaron turned into a woman from Baywatch and said, duh, duh, duh. Oh, really? Because for me, it was when we talked about the Buffy episode, The Body. Yes, that did emotionally resonate with me. Even talking about The Body can get me a little worked up. Well, so I think that's going to do it for this week. Yeah, I think that'll be about it. Our show's partially listener-supported. If you want to support our podcast, you can go to our website, www.welcometotelevision.net, and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Rosa, Ryan, Maricruz, Benjamin, Kate, Jen, and Dan. Uh, You can also help out the podcast by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode or any episode or any episode of any television show, because apparently we will talk about any television show, (laughs) you should join our Facebook group, Welcome to Television. We can also be contacted at I Love TV Zines on Twitter or at I Love Television Zines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to the Uncharted Territories. (laughs) 